Hello everyone and happy Thursday. Before I get into this intro, I want to share some exciting news with you. I, Kai Morley, have agreed to partner with a gender-confirming company with this podcast. There's going to be more updates on that and specifics in about a week or so on my Instagram, but I needed to just put some good news out into the universe, especially this past week in America. And so with that, I'm going to ask for you to support me and the LGBTQI community by sharing this podcast as much as you can, because in the state of this world, we need to be hearing and listening to the voices of marginalized communities. Okay, end rant for now. On today's episode, I sit down and talk with Declan Pierce, who is a trans man and who is a dear friend of mine. He is going to share his unique story of being raised in Texas with religious family members, his college experiences, hint, hint, there is a sorority involved, and the truth about believing lies we tell ourselves. His Instagram is in the show notes, as well as mine, which is at KaiMorley underscore. I love you all so much. Thanks for listening and sharing, and enjoy. Welcome. Could you please introduce yourself with your name and pronouns? Uh, my name is Declan Pierce, and my pronouns are he, they, though I tend to lean more on the he side than the they side. Welcome, Declan, and it is a pleasure to have you on. I feel like standing or at least questioning um, your gender, and we both were at very similar parts, so you will always hold a special place in my heart, so thank you. Um, I'm wondering if tonight, if you could... talk about your experience in upbringing in adolescence specifically. I feel like this world deserves to hear broad spectrums of folks who do eventually come out in transition and it's not always easy for people. Do you mind leaning into that? Sure. Yeah. Um, I grew up in San Antonio, Texas. I'm the middle child of three I grew up in a religious community. My dad is an Episcopalian leader. He's a priest in the Episcopal Church. Um, So growing up was very stereotypical Southern church-esque, I guess you could say. Um, Mm. I am lucky in that the church community that I was a part of, the Episcopal Church in general, is very accepting of the LGBTQ community. Um, But I did not know that as a child. I was unaware, just kind of going through the motions with everything and never really thought about it. Um, So I guess we'll get into it maybe a little bit later. But once I came out, I realized that of the church communities, I am really blessed to have been in that one. Um, I haven't really lost people coming out. That's fabulous. That is, is that's, yeah. And it's, that part's scary a lot of uh religious lgbtq kids unfortunately it's not and could i ask because i we didn't i never shared this yet what do you how do you identify in the lgbtq community i identify as a trans man um right now as transgender this past june um june of 2020 i have been in the lgbt community lgbtq plus community um since 2014, I came out as gay, essentially as a lesbian, um, and kind of lived with that identity for five years. Um, and then this past June, I came to the realization and was ready to tell the world who I really was. 
um, yeah. And congrats. And I, I wonder, um, that has me thinking a lot because I also started um, my coming out process with identifying as a lesbian. And I did from the ages of 18 through 26 is when I came out as trans. And it wasn't until I saw representation of like gender, non-binary folks um, that I really started to give myself permission to question that. Like mm-hmm. even... Because I get this question a lot, like, did you not ever feel comfortable identifying a lesbian? And I don't know if I can answer that question because I've always been attracted to women, but Mm -hmm. I never gave myself permission to talk about or think about gender. Did you have a similar experience? Sort of. I always, I always said that I was gay or I was queer. The word lesbian really made me uncomfortable, not because I'm uncomfortable with lesbians, but... I I didn't really have words for it at the time, um, but ultimately it's because I'm not a lesbian. So when mm-hmm. people would call me one, I would get really uncomfortable, but I couldn't figure out why. And it was yeah. very weird to feel like I hated myself in a way. Mm. Um, and then when I finally broke down the wall and came to terms with the fact that I am trans it all really kind of made sense of why I never liked it when people would call me a lesbian and why I chose queer over lesbian for my terms yeah I can't remember I think I just called myself a lesbian um but I only for like maybe two years and then I immediately switched to queer Mm -hmm. but yeah I feel like lesbian I also know a lot of women identify like people who identify as women who date other women are also uncomfortable with the term lesbian like I feel like there's this odd harshness to the word Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know if it's just the stereotypes and I blame media for all of it but when I think of lesbian I think of like you know just a very stereotypical butch lesbian like Mm -hmm. and that's you know I know that's my own stuff and my own bias but again I'm just gonna blame media for everything because here we are 2021 and I think media is the devil (laughs) yeah and I think that's valid because I had those same kind of feelings as well when I came out was well great now I'm gonna get a lot of lesbian jokes and different things like that which society has just kind of put this like harsh negative bias with the word lesbian which is so unfair to women who date women because there are so many types of LGBTQ plus people in general and to kind of pigeonhole all lesbians into one category is just so unfair. Oh, for sure. And then speaking of that, I remember in college was when I started watching, I don't know if you watched the L word. Oh yes. That was my awakening to yes. realizing <laughs> that I was LGBT. <laughs> um, yeah. Amazing. And but how would that show, like, also very stereotypical, all white female? Well, I guess there was, like, Tasha, who was in it for a second, but mm-hmm. also was very, not like... until the last season, though. Yeah, and she also, like, there was not much, like... Yes, her skin was black, but also I know a lot of black folks who are frustrated by that character. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you would be, like, automatically categorized into, like, oh, you're, like, Bet or, oh, you're, like, Tina. And, like, given, as a lesbian, all these different, like... um people to point to which for me it was very that was very troubling and mm-hmm. now as a trans person and I I watched why can't I'm going to go back in after this episode and figure out the name of that uh 
um, documentary that's on Netflix that's amazing about trans representation in the media. Um, but it wasn't until I looked back at clips about Max from the show and mm-hmm. just how negative of a lens trans folks got. Like, he immediately turned aggressive, cold, um, unable to hold a job, unable to hold a relationship. And I feel like even if I was questioning my gender at that moment, it was like, oh, I would be viewed as psychotic or mm-hmm. I would be viewed as unable to date. So I obviously am just going to push these thoughts down into the depths of my gut and we're just not going to unpack them ever. Right. Um, and that's why I say I think media is the devil. It's just my own rant about not having great representation for anyone. Um, but speaking of college, where did um, do you mind sharing your college experience a little bit? Because again, I think... Declan, I feel like your story is so profound and it's hard to imagine it fitting into one episode. So I do see you coming back and sharing glimpses, but could you talk a little bit about your college life? This is something that I think is really powerful in the sense of people are free to explore at any age, at every stage of their life. And just because somebody's past is what they did does not mean that that is their truth. Right. Yeah. And I, my story is like, (laughs) it's all over the place. I, the level of denial that I held, I maintained until I was 23 years old because I Mm -hmm. had no idea that I was queer until I told someone. And And how old are you now? I am 29 now. Yeah. Yep. So I went to college thinking you know, I have to be like everyone else in this kind of mindset started at a young age where it was, I knew something was different about me, but I wasn't about to read into it at all. So I didn't know what it was, but I knew it was something that I couldn't explore or share. Um, and so I did everything in my power to just be like everyone else around me. So when I went to college, I went to Texas Tech University um, in Lubbock, Texas, which was it's a great school um when i was there not really the best for lgbt Mm -hmm. communities um but i went and i was like i'm gonna join a sorority and do everything in my power to be as femme and as cis and as heteronormative as i can be um i joined the sorority sorry i'm sorry i just had a question did you did you feel that if you put that mask on and i know all about wearing masks Um, did you feel like you could make yourself believe that? Oh yeah. I believed my own lies. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I would have defended my own lies to the death. If, if you had asked me at 18, 19. Yeah. Um, and I joined a sorority. I did the party girl thing. It was fun, you know, and I still have the people in the sorority. I am lucky. Um, my group of friends were still friends. Um, and so, But I just, I never really felt like I fit in there. It was fun. It was fine. Um, I had my group of friends, but I always just in the back of my head was like, if I really was true to myself, I probably wouldn't have done this. But I I ended up doing it. I'm glad that I did. I met some of my best friends, um, but I did not come out while I was a member of the sorority. Mm -hmm. I actually ended up taking a gap year after my sophomore year. So I moved back um, home and I waited tables for two semesters and kind of lived on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I went back to college. And when I went back, 
I did one more year in the sorority because my best friend was president. Um, nice. And so I went to support her and her being the president and all that. When she graduated, I kind of retired from the sorority. So my last year in college, I was not a member of the sorority anymore. And that's when I came out. Yeah. Not necessarily because I thought, oh, they're going to kick me out. Um, but I just wasn't ready. And where I was my by the time I got to my senior year, where I was mentally and personally with myself, I was more ready to come out and really kind of embrace it. And I think if I had stayed in the Greek culture, I wouldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. Um, just that yeah. Kind of and I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know much or anything about the Greek culture. I went to a very small uh, liberal arts school in, in Western Maine and, while I did love it for experiences, like, and I don't regret it. I try really, really hard to be like, and I'm sure you have to do this too, like be graceful with myself mm-hmm. in the sense of I did what I thought was best in that moment. And right. um, I didn't know any trans people and I didn't even know any people at that point who would use they, them pronouns. But mm-hmm. I found myself, um, my best friend went to Smith and was dating trans men and had all these amazing friends. So I found myself literally every weekend I could down there. And yeah. it wasn't until I left college that I was like, oh, shoot. Like, this is bigger than me just wanting to have visited my best friend. Obviously, that was, you know, the number one reason. Mm-hmm. But then we, you're right. As you said earlier, like, we will believe the lies we tell ourselves. So then you, I got a job and was like, I need to withhold this lie to make everybody else around me comfortable Mm-hmm. Um, and I can only imagine what that was like in Greek culture. Again, I'm not sure what is Greek, like, does it have as many, um, and I, sororities are far different than frats, correct? Or no? Yes. So yes. we had the sororities had, well, Lubbock itself, we couldn't live in the sorority house. Um, there's some law from, and I don't know if it's been rectified in the last six years but um you can't live in the sorority houses or the fraternity houses um because if you have more than four unrelated women living in a house together it's considered a brothel oh and that is small town texas law for you it's not it wasn't enforced really at all but because of that law being in place the school was unable to allow us to live there so ours were more meeting houses um than anything which i think for me personally, it was better. I probably would have hated living with 200 people, but um, yeah, <laughs> it is very, we had recruitment week and it was all very superficial for that week. I was in a sorority that was more relaxed, I guess. There were the really like the top tier ones with the stereotypical kind of Southern girly girls. Ours had a good mix of people. We've yeah. had quite a few people actually that were in the sorority when I was there come out um, post-college. Um, and so we all, we were kind of the, the chill sorority as I like to think of it, but there were, you know, frat parties, toga parties, everything was very gendered. We would be matched with a Mm -hmm. fraternity for homecoming and Mm -hmm. have to do like a dance with the boys and all that stuff. And all that good stuff. Yeah, it was fine. It was not my scene. I think if that's your scene, then yes, you thrive in it and you love it. For me, it wasn't my scene. I did love it because of the friends that I had around me, but I got very lucky with that because I think if I had been in a different one, it might not have been the same. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I do think that the community that you surround yourself with makes even the worst of or the potential worst experiences a little mm-hmm. bit softer. Yeah. Um, I remember the only time that I've ever even seen there's names for all of this, right? Like the road where all the frats and sororities are on. Um, yeah, we called it Greek Circle. Oh yeah, it was okay, a big cool circle. <laughs> yeah, so the, I don't this. I don't think it was called Greek Circle. I'm thinking of UNH, something like that, right? So like a Greek road, like all these things. And the only experience I had was when I was 19 and I visited my friend at UNH, and I hadn't even made it to the door yet. But I tell you what, I was certainly not wearing a tight black dress. And all these other females were, and they these these guys who literally were in sweatpants, like turning down women who looked like they were going to Cinderella's castle. Mm-hmm. They were turning them down because their dresses were too long, and I just wanted to go up to the guy and be like, "It literally looks like you just rolled around in a dumpster, <laughs> and are telling these beautiful women." That they can't enter because their dresses are too long. That's the only experience I have. And then I saw a grilled cheese stand and I went there instead. Um, so I never actually, yeah, <laughs> I never got the right, like the full experience, but I only see, you know, movies and media. Right. Yeah. You know? And we had, I mean, during, we had to wear church attire mm. to our Monday night meetings, but you could wear pants if you wanted to wear a pantsuit, as long as you were in church attire clothing um i don't remember anyone ever wearing like a suit but there were a couple button-down blouses yeah um, i'm sure if there was a suit you would have remembered it oh yeah that's how i feel at least i would have been wearing it yeah Uh, you would have been wearing and that's like what i think too there was a trans man at farmington and i wish so badly that i connected with him mm -hmm. you know like i always when i'd see him walk you don't realize these things till after, but I was so, I had so many questions. Yeah. Like other people were making comments that, you know, because people in Western Maine have been very around very few openly trans people or they haven't, didn't realize they were trans, but mm-hmm. um, other people were making comments about it. And I was like, I just really want to know about this man. Like I have so many questions and that's, that is one regret. I think that if I talked to him and had a conversation, I would have started my, journey a lot sooner but the universe I wasn't ready and that's also okay I I we both came you and I both came out in our in our late 20s and um while that can be for me at least frustrating I also know that we're I'm I'm still very young and I needed I needed all 26 years yeah (laughs) need all of them yeah and people have asked me like do you wish that you would come out sooner and honestly no I mean that would have been great but that wasn't my path and I'm not gonna harp on the fact that I didn't come out sooner because I wasn't meant to come out sooner I needed to grow and have the experiences that I've had in my life to really be where I am today if I had come out sooner I would be a totally different person. And I'm sure that person would be great, but it wouldn't be me. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. That's a beautiful way of putting it. And I didn't, we didn't, I didn't, I, I'm the first trans person I've really ever met. Mm -hmm. And in college I had, like, if you think my denial about being gay was pretty strong, I didn't even know that trans men existed until my (laughs) junior year of college. Yeah. And I took a human sexuality class and we had, we were going over the chapter on like gender nonconforming and trans people. 
and I knew that trans women were a thing because you see that in the media sometimes. And mm-hmm. when people talk about the trans community, that's usually what you picture as trans women. Yeah. It had never occurred to me <laughs> that trans men existed. Yeah. And I remember sitting in that class and I had just come out as gay same year that I came out. And I remember thinking, oh, no, <laughs> because now I've just come out as a lesbian and told the world and I cannot just turn around and say that I'm trans. And I remember that thought. And I remember never thinking about trans people again for another three to four years. Because I that, just was, yes. I couldn't, my psyche couldn't do it. I just, I couldn't handle it at that time. But that was the first time I kind of had that pit in my stomach that was like, mm-hmm. oh, these are my people. <laughs> yes. And then yes. once I kind of got onto social media and Instagram, I started finding trans men a couple years later to follow and I wasn't really ready to say that I was trans but the Mm -hmm. infatuation that I had with stalking trans men on social media (laughs) should have been a dead giveaway yeah but it was not (laughs) yeah I didn't come out until I was 28 yeah I um wow the way that you worded that makes my thoughts a lot clearer because I used to, I came out um, as gay as my sexuality and I was fascinated with watching documentaries about trans people. Mm-hmm. And it was when I was like living at home um, during college or like during holidays and, you know, just comments and they weren't, they weren't hateful in the sense that if my parents knew they wouldn't have said it. But, you know, like, seeing a trans woman who is a bodybuilder was quite um, jarring for people to see. But I was, like, so fascinated by, like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Like, she's living her truth. Look at this. Look at that. And just the reaction that, you know, people around me had, I was, like, they're probably – in my head, I was worried that they thought I was trans. Like, most of my life, because, you know, I cut my hair – as soon as I cut my hair and started looking androgynous, I was, like – I'm nervous my family is going to think I'm trans. Mm -hmm. But in reality, it was like, I know I'm trans and I'm scared as all hell to tell my family that I'm trans. So I would flip the script in my head. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I didn't know until I knew, which sounds weird. (laughs) Which sounds weird to say. No, it doesn't. But it was just one of those, I really didn't know because I had done such a great job of building this barrier up from fifth grade Mm -hmm. to the time that I was, you know, 20. I came out at 23 as gay. I came out as trans at 28 this past June. But I knew when I moved to Maine from Texas, I knew that I had something that I had to get away from my community, not the LGBTQ plus community, the South Texas community, to figure Mm -hmm. out because I knew there was something, but I still didn't know what it was until I moved to Maine and really was able to kind of just be by myself and figure it out. And COVID kind of gave me that opportunity. I mean, I was three months hanging out with only myself. And that's when I realized I'm trans. And if the world is ending, I don't want to die with any regrets of not living to my fullest extent. So I'm going to go ahead and come out. And that, I, yeah, it was terrifying, but I did it. I didn't lose people. 
Um, and if I lost people, they're people that I haven't noticed I lost, which is not a loss to me. I'm snapping so hard <laughs> for you. I remember your first coming up post and it was just like, I just remember how excited I was because I, I came out before COVID, but all my big physical transition stuff, I mm-hmm. feel like I've been like in hibernation, you know, like yeah. I'll run into someone who hasn't seen me in a while and great time in a mask, but you know, I sound different. And I also just want to give you so many, like your voice sounds amazing. Not oh. that it didn't before, but you sound like Declan. And yeah, I'm finally I, the I last couple weeks. I've, I can hear it change. Yeah. I've been on testosterone for four months now. Um, I'm microdosing, So I started very low mm-hmm. and I upped my dose um, two months ago. So my plan is to go up every couple months until I'm at kind of a full dose just to, I have a lot of anxiety and I don't want to throw that many hormones in all at once because I think that would overwhelm me. But so I'm microdosing my way up, which is having that's what I need to do for my mental health. But it's also Mm -hmm. frustrating because I already now that I've broken down the wall, I'm like, great, I'm trans. Let's go. But I have to take this more slowly for other kind of personal reasons. Um, So it's been it's nice to finally be able to hear the voice change yeah I am I hear it and I also went the same approach and then today I had my lovely telehealth like six month Mm -hmm. uh, follow up with I get my testosterone through Planned Parenthood big shout out there Um, but then I started getting anxious because I'm gonna get my testosterone levels checked out and I'm nervous that I don't, I try not to think about it too much now. I don't want to make you anxious, but like testosterone that isn't utilized by the body turning into estrogen and then Mm -hmm. it all just like negatively impacting. So for those listeners who don't know, it's all a balance of finding the right testosterone for your body because if you do too much, your body isn't utilizing the testosterone and it then converts it back to estrogen. And so you start regressing in your transition, which for a trans person is quite Yes, it's like the my worst nightmare. Have I had nightmares about it? Absolutely, a hundred percent. Especially with bleeding, but we won't go there. Yeah, um, and like your what a full dose for you is going to look different than a full dose for me because everything correct. is kind of based on genetics and your own personal kind of body. So it's interesting to talk to other trans guys and say, "Oh, I'm on a full dose. I'm on, you know, sixty milligrams," and then someone else says, yeah. "Oh, I'm on a full dose and I'm on forty-five milligrams," and it's correct. There's no one full dose for everyone. It's yeah. different for everyone, yeah. and I'm hoping that with this microdosing, we're able to catch it if we go too far. <laughs> I think you will. I think you will have better luck with that. So I think um, patience is really important, and in the same breath, so hard because you're like, yes, I am a man, and if I could just wake up tomorrow with a full beard and body fat distribution that would be lovely um but we can't um speaking of which also congrats on top surgery date do we have one oh thank you yes it's april 1st april 1st now it's good that's gonna be the best it's not gonna be a joke okay it's going to be the best some sort of joke about how the ultimate cosmic joke is that i was born (laughs) in the wrong body i you know i knew you were gonna come up with something because you're just so clever um I love that joke. Are you excited? I am really excited. I, they had a March date available, but I took the April one because 
I have a job where I have to lift heavy things. And after top surgery, you really can't for a month or so lift anything over five to 10 pounds. So I'm going to have to take more time off of work um, than I had initially thought. So I kind of pushed Mm -hmm. it out towards April just to save up a little bit more. Um, But I'm so excited. I have hated my chest since I was in third grade and it started growing and I am a double D so it was now I couldn't just pretend that they're not there they were always there and they were always heavy and I cannot even put into words how excited I am that they will be gone soon and I haven't since starting testosterone I never really cried to begin with but since starting testosterone, I really haven't cried at all. And I called my insurance company just to check to see my status on my um, thing to see if they would help cover it. And when they told me I was approved, I cried to the lady Ugh. on the phone. That's beautiful. Honestly, like, that just shows, right? Yeah. How... And luckily, she was so nice and very supportive. Mm. Um, yeah. but she was like, I'm so happy that you're happy. And I was like, I know <laughs> it's, it's huge. I mean, people, um, I remember when I was getting my top surgery done and I got mine done last March, right before everything shut down. And I was freaking out about telling my employer. And again, I didn't necessarily, I didn't, I did not tell them I was getting top surgery, right? I told them I had a surgery, but the, um, in order for me to get time off, it had to be so specific. And literally, it wasn't even in fine print. It said it right on there. Like, um, basically, any plastic in, in surgery, regardless, so they gave examples, isn't deemed as necessary or essential. And in my mind, I was like, what? Like, this is, yeah. for me, it feels like life or death, right? Mm-hmm. And for an outside person, it just seems like, oh, ca- cosmetics. And... I just want to clarify to the listeners who, and most listeners are in the community and they fully get it, but for the allies listening, surgery like this and gender confirming surgery is not as simple as a choice to make your body look or feel better. Um, yeah, it's a necessity. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's as if you are living in a body that you're disgusted by. Like, I don't know how else to say it. I, um, I had, I've had romantic partners in the past and, you know, at some point I I might cut this out. At some point I just want to sit down with all of them. It won't happen. Um, but it's really hard to show up for people in your life when you hate your own body. Mm -hmm. And it's hard for a trans person to, in the moment when they're feeling that verbalize it again, it was hard for me. It's not hard for everyone, but um, I'm just so happy for you. And I know this is something you've been thinking about for a long time, even before you were thinking about testosterone. I know that you wanted to start physically transitioning, but I know that your chest was always the biggest piece for you. Yeah, because we met through a mutual friend Yeah. before I came out publicly mm-hmm. because I had texted our mutual friend and a couple other people and had told them that I am trans and I'm going to start coming out um and she had been telling me that she was going to connect you and I for a while um, (laughs) and then she finally did thank you Uh, mutual friend yes thank you so much um and 
I just remember thinking, okay, I'm going to get top surgery and I'm not going to start testosterone because that's not really what I'm wanting to do. But the more kind of research I did and the more I started telling people and coming out to people and really kind of doing that kind of inner work um, to figure out who I am and what I want my transition to look like, testosterone ended up coming into the picture first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, that's... and I'm so happy that it did because it's just going to make my transition a lot more smooth personally for me, I think. And it's different for every trans person mm-hmm. um, and non-binary people as well. Different for everyone. For me, I initially thought only top surgery. I'll still go by my dead name. It'll mm-hmm. be fine. But the more I came out and the more I sat with it, I was like, I'm, I'm doing that to make other people comfortable. And I'm done doing that. Yep. Yes, exactly. I gave other people almost 30 years and I'm not doing it anymore. Seriously, go off as long as you need to on that. I, um, (laughs) it's, (laughs) I feel that, um, immensely of giving yourself permission to do whatever you need to do for yourself. Um, but yeah, I'm looking at the time we have, we're at 35 minutes on this conversation and you brought up the idea of dead name. Do you mind if we end this conversation with how you decided on, on Declan? Sure. Um, so I was going by AC for a while after I came out um, as trans on my coming out, my big kind of post with it. That was the name I was using um, mm-hmm. because I hadn't really landed on a name. Those are my dead name, first and middle name initials. Um, so I figured I'll just do that relatively gender neutral for a while. Um, Declan has always been one of my favorite names ever since I was little and was like making lists of names that I would name my future children Declan was always the top of the list but I was always kind of like "Ah, I like Declan for someone else but like there's just something about it that I wasn't sure about and then coming out and going by AC was fine but I was still like it just doesn't feel right something's not right and then I found a diary (laughs) that I kept in like third grade I think I was eight Um, and I don't really keep I have a lot of empty journals from when I was little that just have like there's one that says like my sister stole my Pokemon cards today so I don't like her (laughs) and it was just dumb kind of she's the worst kid stuff yeah she (laughs) Um, but I found one that just said today we learned about Ireland and school and Two Irish names are Declan and Molly. And then I literally wrote as an eight-year-old, Declan is a really cool name. If I was a boy, I think that's what I would want my name to be. Oh, my God. I love that story so much. And I read it and was like, dang it. I'm not crying. You're crying. I'm not crying. No. (laughs) Yeah. And from that day, I was like, I got it. I'm going by Declan. And so I came out publicly with the name Declan, the day that I started testosterone, I posted my, hi, my name is Declan. And this is my voice one day on testosterone. And that was the first time I had said it publicly. I hadn't even, I didn't even tell my parents. I just posted the video. Amazing. And talk about showing up for yourself. Yeah. I love that might be, um, that might be my favorite name story, Declan, actually. Thanks. Yeah. I want to almost want to laminate that little piece of paper. (laughs) As you should, like, don't get rid of that journal paper. That is going to live with you forever, just as your name will. Um, but thank thank you for uh, taking the time to talk about that. And in this 
show, what I like to do is um, there's this game where not really strangers, which is technically meant for like getting to know friends better or like use on first dates. Um, mm-hmm. But what better way than through a podcast episode? It feels so intimate. Yeah. Um, the question I just paddock deck cards, I pulled it and it's what's been your happiest memory this year? Ooh. Um, I know. That's hard. I've had so many. That feels weird to say that in 2020, I've had so many good memories, but. Give yourself permission to feel yeah. like, don't feel Pers- bad about that. Personally, it's it's been a good year personally. Yeah. Worldwide. I feel that much. too. Um, wow. I don't know. I think going to the doctor just maybe not even going just setting the appointment and when they asked why I was making the appointment I told them I wanted to start hormone treatment and I even three years ago or two years ago when I moved here kind of knew that some I knew deep down that I was trans but I never in a million years thought I would ever do anything about it and that day I did something about it yeah, you did. And it was the greatest decision. Of your life. Yeah. And I am so proud of you for making that phone call because it's a huge first step and something that should be celebrated. I think I have like three birthdays. Um, one is, you know, the day I actually was born. The other was when I started testosterone. And the other one is when I landed on my name. And I think that as trans people, we should celebrate all these victories because they are so hard they're so hard and we're celebrating and i'm glad that i was able to celebrate you on this episode tonight yes thank you for having me i love the podcast i've listened to all the episodes and i just yeah. love what you're doing yeah. within the community i think it's really important to kind of get people's stories out there and show other lgbtq plus people that they're not alone but also just to have allies listen and say look we're real people and we're just trying to live our best lives just like you are our best lives just maybe look a little bit different journey wise they sure do and normal doesn't exist y'all no. um <laughs> Declan thank you so much and I'm going to text you in a bit so we can set up an actual time to hang out safely in person six feet apart oh yes please <laughs> <laughs> all right have a great rest of your night all right thanks you bye too.